And um, our Bible reading this morning is from Luke chapter 15, verses 11 to 32. And just to give a, um, a, a few words of background, uh, Jesus had been feasting with disreputable people. And the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were murmuring against him, saying, this man welcomes and eats with sinners. And in response, Jesus told three parables. The first is the parable of the lost sheep. The second, the parable of the lost coin. And the third, the parable of the lost son. And that's what we're reading this morning. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the elder, elder son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked them what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied. And your father has killed the fatted calf because he has him back safe 
and sound. The elder brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fatted calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad, because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Brilliant. Thank you, Peter. Shall we uh, pray together? Father God, we pray now that you would be preparing each of our hearts Pray that you would unstop our ears and enable us to hear your still small voice. Pray, Lord, that you would speak through the words that I prepared and the words that I speak now. In the name of Jesus, Amen. Well done, thanks, Dave. So today uh, we're starting. Uh, a... Sorry. <laughs> um, so today we're starting on a new uh, sermon series. So during the course of the autumn series, uh, autumn term, sort of running up to Christmas, we're going to have four weeks, a four-week sermon series on uh, developing a faith-sharing culture. Then there's going to be uh, three or four weeks on uh, encountering God's creation. Uh, and then we're going to go back to another three or four weeks on uh, developing a faith-sharing culture. So this is the first of four weeks. And I've tried to identify four practices that will help us to grow and develop in, the, in our ability to be able to uh, develop a faith-sharing culture or a stronger faith-sharing culture here at Christchurch. And the first is this. Uh, just simply encountering the embrace of the Father. It's always got to start with Jesus. Uh, if we're not coming to him, uh, learning to be loved by him, knowing how much we're loved by him, feeling and experiencing his embrace, uh, then there's, there's no point even beginning uh, to figure out what we do next. So everything starts with an understanding of knowing that we're loved by God. Uh, and that he is our father and he, he wants to embrace us with his loving arms. So what better story than to start with than perhaps the parable of all parables? 
the, song, the story that almost certainly you will all know about the prodigal son, the lost son. But I wonder whether that really is the right title for this story. Maybe we'll come back to that at the end. Oh, thanks, Dave. Now, I don't know how many of you here are familiar with uh, the lyrics of U2 songs and how many of you are big U2 fans, but you need to know that this, this is my, uh, my favourite rock band of all time. Uh, and as a teenager, as I was growing up, uh, listening to their songs were the th things that helped me to try and make sense of what was going on in my life. I remember as a teenager, uh, shortly after my best friend's dad died, that I was trying to reconcile and understand how a God of love could allow someone to die and leave a family without a father. And I couldn't make sense of that, and I uh, refused to believe that therefore God was real and that he was loving, because I couldn't understand how he would allow that to happen. And I became angry uh, as a young teenager. And this was one of the songs that helped to kind of provide the backdrop for my teenage years. Uh, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Uh, and I guess that that was exactly what made sense to me for those teenage years. I was looking for something to try and make sense of what life was all about, who this God was that was supposed to be uh, loving and gracious. Uh, and I was wrestling with all kinds of questions about who am I? Why am I here? What's the point in life? Is there really a God? If he is, what's he like? Uh, and all of those questions were going on, uh, and yet meanwhile I was struggling with this uh, huge event that had devastated my life. Uh, and I became really angry and embittered as a young person. Uh, and I tried to, f tried to, oh, sorry, I've got it to work. Uh, so I was trying to make sense of what this was all about. And I believe that this story today is a story that speaks to each one of us, whether we've been a Christian a short time or a long time. This parable about the younger son who runs away from home to an alien country and the older son who stays at home to do his duty. The younger son was a com common and ordinary person who wanted his independence, who wanted his freedom, who wanted to do what he wanted to do and not have to listen to his father or his older brother telling him what was right, what was wrong, what he should be doing and what he shouldn't be doing. He wanted to live his way. He didn't want to live in his father's house any longer. He didn't want to live in the father's love. He wanted to go out and make it on his own. He was on a journey of discovery. And yet we know from the story that he wastes everything on an extravagant lifestyle. He blows his father's inheritance on wild liberal excesses and self-gratification. He squandered all of that money wastefully, living only for the moment, trying to find fulfillment, trying to figure out what this life was really all about. But did you notice in the story that the older son isn't too different, except he just remains at home. He doesn't go out 
searching, discovering, trying to make sense of life. He remains at home, but he is just as alienated from his father as the son that ran away. He is hardworking, dutiful, fulfills all his obligations. He's the older son that didn't leave home, but he's not in a loving relationship with the father. He thought he had to earn his father's favor and love by doing the right thing, by doing what was expected, by doing his duty, by doing the right thing. He labored grudgingly, resentment building in his heart, separating him further from his father. He was doing all the right things, but his heart attitude was completely wrong. It was full of bitterness, anger, resentment, frustration. So much bitterness in the older son that when his younger brother returned home, he was unable to call him his brother. And yet the father was there with the older brother all the time, showing him, sharing him, pouring upon him his love in abundance. And what did the older son do? Well, just clearly pushed him away and the resentment and anger built within him and the gap between him and his father grew. So both the older son that stayed at home and the younger son that ran away are both lost. Both are searching but neither has found what they're looking for. Both lust and cold-hearted obedience can prevent us from being true children of God. Whether we're like the younger son who runs off to blow everything, try everything, give everything a go, fill his life with stuff, or whether you're the older son that stays at home, does his duty, always does the right thing, but builds resentment and anger and frustration in the heart. But whether you're the older son or the younger son, we need to come to a place where we can rest in the embrace of our Father and know that we are truly and deeply loved. Where we can experience God's unconditional love for us in spite of all the junk and rubbish in our lives I wonder if any of you has ever felt homesick uh, in about 2014 I led a, a mission trip to Peru where we had a link with a, a, a young a, a children's home high up in the Andes mountains uh, and so there was a group of 12 of us that set off to go to Huaraz, which is right high up in the Andes, where well over three and a half thousand meters in height. So I was leading this team, and we arrived after driving up from Lima, driving up through the mountains to Huaraz. And as we got out of the coach, I virtually fell over because the altitude was so high uh, and the oxygen so thin that uh, I wasn't able to, to cope with the uh, altitude sickness. So we were there for a few days. I was gradually starting to feel a bit better. And they then wanted us to take a young people's camp further up into the mountains. 
uh, and they were taking a group of about uh, 80 young people up to camp up in the mountains. So we were going to travel another 600 metres, so we were almost at about 3,800 metres up this mountain. Uh, and uh, we were in this little shack, is the best way that I can describe it, and I was sh sharing a shack with about uh, 45 um, Peruvian teenagers. There were, there were two beds, two bunk beds, uh, and they kindly allowed the leaders to share the bunk beds. So there were two of us on my bed and two of us ab above me, uh, and two le uh, four leaders on the other uh, bunk beds. Uh, and whilst we were here, because the altitude is so high, the boiling point is much lower. Uh, and so not all the food was cooked entirely uh, as you might expect it to. So after the first night of arriving there, feeling a little bit rough, but just about okay, I had something to eat, and then in the middle of the night, it felt like the end of the world. <laughs> As I rushed to the loo, which is outside uh, and down the track to this kind of like little hut with a long drop toilet, it was not very pleasant. Uh, and uh, I was sick. Very badly sick from both ends, let's put it like that. And uh, I spent the rest, of the, eve uh, the rest of the night running backwards and forwards from my bed. And bearing in mind that we're sort of like almost 4,000 metres up this mountain and it is freezing cold at night. Uh, and I had obviously had some kind of fever and I was feeling really, really rough. And so this is me wrapped up in my sleeping bag thinking, I just want to be at home. I want Julia to be cooking me some nice toast, uh, serving me tea, uh, and tending to my every need, and making a fuss of me. And instead, I'm 4,000 metres up a mountain, barely able to speak uh, the language. Well, I couldn't speak uh, Portuguese or Spanish, so I couldn't communicate. There were only th uh, four others from my team on the, uh, that were with me at the time, uh, and they'd all gone off for this hike up further up the mountain, can you believe it? And meanwhile, I was left at home, uh, in this little shack on my own, curled up in my sleeping bag thinking, this feels like the end of the world, and I just want to be at home, where I'm safe, where I'm secure, where I'm loved, where I know that everything will be all right. I wonder if any of you have ever felt that sense of homesickness experienced a time when you just long to be at home, where you know where everything is, how everything functions, where you know that you will be welcomed and loved and cared for and protected, where you will be secure, where you will be looked after, where you know everything is okay here. In the story of the prodigal father, the young son hits rock bottom. He has nothing. He's burnt through all his dad's inheritance. He's starving, hungry. He cannot afford to buy food. And so as a Jew, he's condemned to working with pigs. That's got to be like the lowest of the low. And he is eating the pea pods that the pigs are fed on. And finally he comes to his senses and he decides... I'm going to return home. But I know that I can't go back as, a, as, as, as my father's son. I've disgraced him and disowned him. 
I'll, I'll go back as a servant. Maybe he'll have me as one of his hired hands. And maybe I could get a job working for him. At least then I'll get some food to eat and I'll have a place where I can sleep that I know that I'll be safe. And so the younger son makes the long journey back home. The gospel writer never uses the word home in this story. Instead, he says, I set out and go back to my father. That's what he says in verse 18. So he got up and he went to his father, verse 20. You see, home is not about a geographical location or a specific building or a place. It's not a place of bricks and mortar, but rather home is defined by a relationship, a relationship with the father. This is where the son will find what he's been looking for, a place of love and acceptance and belonging. It's the Father that provides the answers to the questions of identity and purpose and belonging. And so the Son is on a journey home to the Father. The simple and rather startling truth of this story is that the home that we all long for and belong to is to be found in the loving arms of our Father. St. Augustine famously said, You have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it finds its rest in thee. Home is where the Father is. Home is where Jesus is. That's when we understand who we are, how much we're loved, what our purpose is, what our identity is all about. Our home is not about a geographical location, but it's rooted in a relationship with the loving Father where we can encounter the embrace of his love for each and every one of us. Our home, our place of identity, security and belonging is to be found in a person and not in a place. Our home is in the waiting arms of the Father, Our home is to be found in the loving, forgiving, gracious embrace of the Father. Wherever the Father is, that's my home. In John 15, Jesus says to his disciples, Abide in me. Or maybe it should be better understood as, Make your home in me. My question to us today is, are we making our home in God the Father? I'd forgotten I put that on there. (laughs) Dave did remind me, but I've forgotten. (coughs) So what will we find when we come home into the loving arms of the Father? Well, the first thing is... Love. Abundant, extravagant, wasteful love. The father, remember in this story, has been watching and waiting for the son to return home. And when he sees the son, he doesn't allow him to apologize or even ask for forgiveness. Instantly, the father welcomed him and embraced him. Isn't it wasteful, extravagant for the father to give his children 
so much freedom? Isn't it wasteful and extravagant for the father to discard his dignity and run into the street toward a foolish and immature son who'd squandered his fortune and alienated himself from him? Isn't it wasteful and extravagant for the father to throw such an extravagant party for his, his, his wayward son? Isn't it wasteful and extravagant for the father not to discipline or rebuke or even challenge this prodigal son? Well, no. Because that is grace. Wasteful, extravagant, undeserved love. You see, there is nothing that we can do to make God love us more. And there's nothing that we can do to make God love us less. Tim Keller, one of my uh, favorite authors, famously said this. The gospel is this. You and I are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believe. Yet at the very same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared hope. The first thing we find when we return home to the Father is that love, extravagant, wasteful, exuberant, abundant, everlasting love. The second thing, luxury. This might seem a bit odd, but remember in the story that the son returned home expecting to be a servant in his father's house. Instead, a robe is placed on his shoulders, covering the filthiness from the pig pen. A ring is placed on his father, uh, on his finger. A ring that represented the love and the authority of the father. The father has restored the son back to his rightful place. Shoes are placed on his feet. A culture where only the servants went barefoot. The father is sending another message loud and clear to his son, to his family, to the wider servants and village. This is my son and I love him. And finally, he's invited to take his rightful place at the banquet. A place where he could eat to his heart's content. No longer wishing to eat the pig feed. We can expect love, we can expect luxury, and lastly, we can expect celebration and joy. Because home is a place of feasting and celebration. It's a place where there is great joy. The Father says, forget the past, enter into my joy, and you will find my strength to bear your burdens and your scars. Our God is a God of joy, and he wants his people to celebrate it, entering into the joy of God that gives us the strength to persevere in the midst of difficulties. Joy is not an option. It's an essential if we're to succeed in the work that God has given to each one of us as his followers and disciples today. 
I wonder if you've found what you're looking for, if you've found your way home to the Father. Have you experienced and encountered the loving embrace of the Father, not just for the first time, but this week? In the last few days, have you experienced God's loving embrace for you, his child? Today, there are many of us like one of the two sons. Maybe you've wandered far from home. You're not sure quite how to make your way back. You're not sure whether the father will even have you. Well, my encouragement, my invitation to you is come and see. God is full of grace and forgiveness and love. All you have to do is make that step and head for home. And you will find the Father waiting to receive you. I guarantee it. The story tells us that that is what God is like. His arms are open. He's waiting to receive you. Regardless of where you stand today, if you could see the Father standing there, waiting, longing for you to return, with his arms open wide, calling you by name, saying, come to me, what would you do? I guess as I come to wrap up, my encouragement is for us to see that you may well have made this decision a long while back in, in your journey of faith. But I wonder if there are parts of your life where you are still far off from the Father, where you're still trying to figure things out on the, in your own strength, where you're still trying a bunch of stuff to bring yourself a little bit of joy or fulfillment or happiness. When actually the Father is longing to say, come to me, receive from me. My love is sufficient, more than enough. Or maybe you might feel a little bit like the older brother. I'm a good person, I've led a good life, I do the right thing. But actually there's a bit of you, if you're really honest, down in your heart where you think, I'm just fed up of seeing all these people doing all the wrong stuff and then being forgiven. I wonder what bit of that might be speaking to you today and what God might be stirring up or saying to you today. You see, I think that we all wander far from home in some shape or form in our hearts and our minds, in some aspects of our lives. And we need to return back to the Father to experience his love and his forgiveness and his restoration. And if we're to build a faith-sharing culture, then we too need to experience and continue to experience the loving embrace of the Father as he showers upon us his extravagant love and his restoration. So in a moment or two of quiet, why don't you just spend some time listening for what it is that God might be specifically saying to you and then we're going to join in an act of confession together.